Well, if you're joining us online or if you're live here in this service today, we're so glad that you're here or listening or watching. And whether you're watching live or maybe you're watching a little bit later, um, we, we pray that this message really speaks to you, speaks to all of us. It is, uh, it is really spoken to me as, uh, as I've been able to prepare uh, for this. And I, I love walking through this Psalm uh, 23 and I love how God is, uh, is speaking to us during this time. And it's such an amazing psalm. It's such a powerful word for where we are in this time. We, we talked about in the first week how it's important to have a shepherd. And this shepherd would lead us from a Psalm 22 moment to a Psalm 23 moment. If you don't know what the Psalm 22 moment is, I encourage you to read it. It's way opposite from the Psalm 23. But God will lead us from Psalm 22 to a Psalm 23 moment. And as we follow the shepherd, and we know we're following the shepherd because we hear his voice, we sense him calling uh, to us. And we sense a feeling of contentment and peace. One way you know you're following the wrong shepherd is that you're constantly desiring things you don't want. Because the first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if, and if we're following the shepherd, we're going to walk in a sense of contentment and not a sense of want. In the second week, we talked um, uh, through the verse two. He makes me to lie down at green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. There's no greater time in, in my life that I can remember that the Lord is, has made me to lie down in green pastures, the green pastures of, of family and, and, of, uh, and of, of time with the Lord and time with the shepherd and even a time of self-reflection. So he's making us to lie down during this period, and he's also leading us to still waters. Sure, those still waters, to get there, it may uh, travel through some storms, as we talked about in week two. But even after the storms, Jesus will calm that and lead us into still, uh, to still waters. But during the storms, during the rough times of your life, financially, marriage, health, uh, whatever it is, don't get out of the boat. That's what we learned from week two. Remember that. Don't get out of the boat because still waters are coming. Week three, we talked about the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness. And on this path, it talks in verse three, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And so as we walk in the path of righteousness, one thing you've got to understand is that every believer, and I'm talking every believer, that you're walking on the path of righteousness, that you're going to veer to the right or veer to the left, and you're going to get sidetracked. And you're going to get caught up into some, a few things, and you're, you're going to lose some time on the, on the main trail, on the main path of righteousness. But understand this, Jesus, the good shepherd, has not given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Find your way off of that side trail, onto the main path. Listen to the shepherd and know that he longs for you to walk on the path of righteousness. Uh, just last week, we talked about the valley of uh, shadow of death in verse four. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so as we walk in this uh, valley, uh, we, we sense two words in this passage, and that is fear and loneliness. Fear and loneliness will lead us really close to the shadows. 
those shadows of, uh, of death. And so over the past couple of months, we've been walking in fear. We've had some loneliness. We've had some isolation. But just know this. Just like sheep, they're comforted knowing that the shepherd is not far away. Because in this part of the psalm, David takes the, takes the conversation and takes it directly to the shepherd. Takes it directly to the shepherd. In verses one, two, and three, David is talking about the shepherd. In verse four, he's talking to the shepherd. Why? Because the shepherd is close by. Meaning, when we're walking in the valley to the shadow of death, he's right there with us. He is closest to us when we're in the valleys. Isn't that comforting, uh, comforting to know that? When I was studying this passage, I never saw that. I never saw the fact that he changed, he, he changed the tense. He changed, the, he changed what he, who he was talking to. Not talking about, but talking to the shepherd. He's close by. And you can rest in comfort in that because just like sheep, he can see the rod and the staff, the club to beat off predators, the rod to, to throw and to chase away and scare away predators or to pull the sheep away from danger. We can be, we could be comforted in our fear and our loneliness with, <clears throat> with the fact that the shepherd is near to us. <clears throat> This week, uh, after walking through the valley of the shadows, uh, you will need to understand that the great thing about the valley of shadows is what comes next. In verse five, we see something that is, is really kind of odd. I've, I've never really understood this until I was uh, studying this passage, but in this, uh, in this next verse, we see something that, um, that is meant for us as we look at verse five, you prepare a table before me and the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. So David is talking to the shepherd. How do we, how do we know that the shepherd prepares a table? So imagine this, this table that spread after the valley of shadow of death. After this valley, we have this table. Why? Because if you've ever walked in the valley of the shadow of death, it is very draining. It's draining emotionally, spiritually, physically, and we need to be replenished. I said last week, there are people who are walking in the valley of shadow, and everyone is going to walk in this valley. Everyone, whether you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus, or you don't follow Jesus, you're going to walk in the valley of the shadow of death. But if you're walking alone, you're going to get lost, and you're never being led by the shepherd. The shepherd knows the way out of the valley of shadows to the table spread for you in the wilderness. And that table is there to replenish you. And if you don't, if you don't go to that table, you are not being replenished, and you're going from one valley to the next valley to the next valley, and you're to the point to where you're just depleted of your own energy, physically, emotionally, everything. All your friends, they're tired of walking through the valley of the shadow with you. Why? Because their energy is drained. You've got to walk with the shepherd. And so in, in this verse right here, verse five, we're talking three things that the shepherd does. He, he prepares a table for us. He anoints our head with oil, and he fills our cup. He fills our cup. 
how do we, how do we know that the shepherd prepares a table? I mean, David just talks about this. David says, well, he, he's gonna prepare a table. Why does, why does he mention this? Obviously, David is writing this many, many years before Jesus even comes onto the scene. And some of this is so prophetic. But we see Jesus in Mark chapter 14. If you have your copy of God's word, Mark chapter 14, we're gonna have it on the screen for you if you're watching online. But we're gonna see an opportunity, a time when Jesus actually prepared a table. The good shepherd prepared the table for us. Mark 14, verse 12, it says this, and this is the, the, the Last Supper. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So do you see that? Where do you want us to go for us to make preparations for the Passover? Listen, and we're gonna see in a minute, Disciples did not prepare this table. They're not the ones who prepared this. Jesus did. Jesus is the one who prepared it. So if you're walking in the valley of shadow and you're gonna prepare your own table, it's not sufficient. It's not sufficient. Your way back to health, spiritual health, financial health, physical health, marital health, whatever it is, you cannot do this on your own. If you're watching online, you cannot prepare your table on your own. And look what Jesus said, verse 13. So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, say to the owner of the house, he enters, the teacher asked, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So Jesus, Jesus has reserved the room. He even arranged a guy to meet them. And he even had the room furnished. So he is, he's there preparing a table. So we know that the shepherd prepares a table. But what about prepares a table in front of my enemies? Well, if you, if you remember the Last Supper, there's one of those disciples who didn't eat, who didn't eat with the rest of the, of the disciples, and that was Judas, the one that would betray Jesus. Jesus didn't let him finish. You know, Jesus saw the food. Judah, Judas saw the food, but Judas wasn't allowed to eat and enjoy. Jesus told him, whatever you're gonna do, go do it quickly. It's like, hey, why don't you, why don't you enjoy this table spread, and then afterwards, you can go and betray me. You see, Judas wasn't just an enemy, of, uh, uh, became an enemy of Jesus because obviously Satan entered into him, the Bible says, but Judas became an enemy of the disciples. He was a wolf among sheep. Jesus had to get him out of there. He prepared a table in the presence of his enemy. You know, there's something dynamic that we see Jesus and how he handled Judas. 
He says, what are we gonna do? Go do it quickly. You are not welcome here. This table is for my children. This table is for my children. Sure, you may try to tempt them, you may try to trip them up, but you will not sit with them. You will never sit with them. Let me make you understand something. When Jesus, when the good shepherd has a table spread for you, he will not allow the enemy to come sit at your table. It may feel like it, but he will not allow the enemy to sit at the table. Why does it seem like the enemy's at your table? Two things. Number one, because you've invited the enemy, you've allowed the enemy to stay. What if the disciples said, oh, Judas, you're, you're okay, just stay, just stay here. Jesus would, not have, Jesus would not have stood for that. And so the first thing is if you invite the enemy, allow the enemy to stay at your table. Number two, if you do not have Jesus sitting at your table. If you do not have Jesus sitting at your table. Let's use this analogy. Let's take you back to middle school lunchroom. Imagine you're in a middle school lunchroom. Actually, it's pretty easy to imagine that right now because those of you who are here today, you're actually in a middle school lunchroom. <laughs> but let's imagine you're in a middle school lunchroom and you're sitting in the cafeteria and, and you're enjoying some, some lunch Maybe your, your ham sandwich with your friends, and, and this bully, this known bully in this school comes up and, and wants to pick a fight with you, wants to just start calling you names, maybe talking about what you're, what you're wearing, or how you smell, or maybe how your hair is, whatever. A bully's gonna pick on you, and this bully is... is is getting after you, but one of your friends, maybe, maybe one of your taller friends, kind of stands up and bows up to him and says, you know what, you're not welcome here. But if you tell your friend, oh no, 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 this, this bully's fine, he, he's actually a friend of mine. You, you could sit down and this bully, he can just come and sit down with us and, and even though the whole time he's talking negative about you. You may say, well, that's ludicrous. There's no way we allow that, especially if you have one of your friends who are, who are trying to scare that bully away. It's telling that bully, look, you can, you can get out of here. You're not welcome here. You may say, well, probably never happened, but can I tell you something? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Maybe not in the middle school classroom, but it happens in your life. You allow enemy bullies to sit at your table without the shepherd demanding that they leave. You have got to realize that Jesus, the good shepherd, has prepared a table for you with the goodness of life, with the blessings of life. It's a table spread. And it's not, it's not something you get a like crystals, it's like a golden corral buffet. That's what that is, amen, praise the Lord. Can't go there right now. But, but you know, you get the idea. It, it's a bountiful blessing. But some of you are loud, the enemies, the enemy of fear, the enemy of doubt, 
enemy of frustrations, whatever that enemy is in your life, you've allowed it to stay at your table. You, you, need, you need to make sure the shepherd is there, Jesus is there, and you and the shepherd communicate and say, Jesus, this bully's been sitting at my table long enough. I need you to chase him away. I need you to chase him away. He's not welcomed here. In fact, you need to tell that to your bully. You are not welcome here. You're not welcome here. So he prepares a table before me and prepares my enemies. He also anoints my head with oil. It's important that we anoint our head with oil. Shepherds, they actually anoint their sheep. You know, these aren't just words that, that David is just kind of throwing around. He's actually a shepherd, and he's taking his experience. And so when, when he anoints his sheep with oil, he does it for a reason. There's two reasons why shepherds anoint the sheep with oil. Number one, to repel pests, pests that are flying around, and to heal the sheep. You know, sheep have lots of pests that fly around, all kinds of things that, that, that just bug them. But there's one particular one called the nose fly. <laughs> this, this creature, is just, this little pest is awful. This nose fly, he'll, crawl, he'll go into the nose of the sheep and he'll deposit eggs in the membrane, the soft membrane inside the nose. And those nests, those eggs will, will, uh, will nest out and, and will form little tiny worms and just crawl all up into the cavities of this sheep. And it really, really bugs them. It gets to the point to where the sheep, they beat their head, they literally beat their head on the ground, on trees, rocks, posts, whatever. And they, they beat their head so much. In fact, there have been sheep that have literally killed themselves because of these nose flies. But the shepherd, he covers their head with oil because this particular oil, what it does, it's a deterrent. You see, nose flies don't like this oil, this anointing oil. And so this, this sheep is able to rest and not have a lot of annoyance in their life. The fragrance drives it away. You know, when we come to the table, prepare for the shepherd, we, we become more relieved from all of the pests of life if we come to the table and allow the shepherd, to allow the shepherd to cover us with his oil. And what that is a symbol of, it's a, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit drawing you and building you as you open up God's word and as you pray, and, and not just a, a, a portion or, or a, a compartment time of your day, but throughout the day, just to have the this, have this spirit close by and have the spirit minister to you and pour oil on you, you're able to not be so annoyed by the things in this life. Trust me, there's lots of things that can annoy you. You're annoyed by lots of things. You're probably annoyed by some of the same things I'm annoyed by, by bad traffic, which 
You know, that hasn't really been annoying lately. <laughs> but I have a feeling pretty soon it's going to get back to the annoying stage. You probably have kids that annoy you from time to time. You probably have a boss that annoy you, annoys you. And you probably have a husband that annoys you, ladies, from time to time. Um, can I tell you something? If you're easily annoyed, then you're not sitting at the table. If you're easily annoyed by the things of life, you're not sitting at the table. You're not grazing on the things of the Spirit of God. And because of that, you're just easily annoyed. It's amazing when the Spirit, it, it, when the Spirit fills you up and you allow the Spirit to fill you and to cover your head with oil, then you are able you're able to walk in this life and the things that used to annoy you in the past no longer annoy you. So, make sure you're at the table. Not only does the oil for the sheep drive away the annoying pests, it also acts as a healing agent. You know, sheep, as they live throughout the pasture, they, they just easily get cut up. You know, they, it's, it's, they're living out... There they got, they rub themselves against trees and, and rocks and they may fall down and those things. And so the shepherd is constantly um, just looking over the sheep and examining the sheep to make sure, hey, I don't, I don't want this, this wound to become an infection because today's wounds, if not healed, if not cared upon, will become tomorrow's infections. And so they will apply some things. You know, we, we, have, we have wounds in this life. We can just walk in this life just like sheep walking in the pasture. We can walk in this life and we get wounded. We get wounded by disappointment after disappointment. Of course, our wounds are more in the wounds of the heart. And so we become disappointed in this life. You need to think about the word disappointment. It starts off with, a, with three very powerful letters. D-I-S, dis. Dis. Man, you put dis in front of a word, it, it totally affects it. Think about the word obey. Put the dis in front of it, changes it to disobey. Dis will change ability to disability, it would change grace to disgrace, it would change respect to disrespect, and it would change appointment to disappointment. You know, we all kind of like appointments. Appointments, appointments create a sense of predictability in an unpredictable world. And so over the past several weeks, there hasn't been a whole lot of appointments. I look at my calendar, it's like, what do I have to do today? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing going on today. Tomorrow, what do I do? Nothing. There's nothing. Obviously, I'm, I'm doing things, but no, like, appointments. You know, we, we, we like to think we control our, our future, just like the caboose thinks he can control the, the train, we like to try to think we can control our future, but our Google Calendar, looking at our, at our calendars, we have the illusion that we do. 
But a, a disappointment, a disappointment is a missed appointment. A disappointment is a missed appointment. You're watching online or here today, you, you've experienced some disappointments over the past few weeks. I know I have. You, you may have an appointed time to go watch an Atlanta Braves game. Guess what? Disappointment. It's a misappointment. Maybe watching some NBA, a misappointment. I know that there are people, there are students across our county, across our nation, they had an appointment on their calendar. They had it set on their calendar for months. Prom. Disappointment. An appointment changed to a disappointment. Instead of prom, there's now lonely dress. We've had, we've had two families in our church just this week give birth. It's a beautiful thing. It's awesome. That's not a disappointment. But what is a disappointment is the fact they, they can't invite extended family and the grandparents can't come and be a part of that. And so instead of celebrating all the elements of, of the birth, it's, it's kind of an empty room. It's kind of an empty room. Uh, there could be some people like, you know, I, maybe you're, you're thinking, I was expecting a promotion instead of a promotion. I'm packing my bags. Or maybe you were gonna celebrate a 50th anniversary for your grandparents. And maybe this virus took one of them away or both of them away. You know, we have lots of disappointments in our life. And we've had a lot of people who've had disappointments. Sure, they stretch from missing out on prom to burying a loved one. There's been lots of disappointments over the past several weeks. What do you do with your disappointment? What do you do with your disappointment? I'll tell you what you do. You take them to God. You take your disappointments to God. Because let me tell you what, you're taking your, appoint, you're taking your disappointments somewhere. You're taking them to your family, your neighbors. You're taking your disappointments to Facebook. I see all kinds of disappointments on Facebook. If you can put it to Facebook, why can't you get, uh, put on your, uh, put on your, uh, draw on your face and, and, and get down on your face and your knees and cry up before God and give your disappointments to God? Maybe open up this book and, and find comfort in your disappointments. Give your disappointments to God. But it also takes the right posture. You see, when a, when, a, when a sheep has anointing oil put on its head, that sheep must stand still, must bow his head, and allow the shepherd to pour the oil on its head. And that oil is gonna drive away the pests, the annoying things in life, and also provide healing in Life, healing from the disappointments in life, the things that really hurt, that get after our heart. So you want to assume the same posture. Be still, bow your head, and allow the Holy Spirit 
to pour the anointing oil. You know, a sheep, they don't, they don't know exactly what happens with the oil. They don't know, oh, this oil that is pouring on me, yes, that's driving it away. They don't really know that. But they do know this, that when the shepherd draws me near and, and when the shepherd is pouring whatever it is on me, I know my life is better. I can enjoy the pasture better. And we may not know exactly how all this works. We don't know exactly how the Spirit does it, but the Spirit does. But we do know this. It only happens when we're close to the shepherd. So, in this verse, the shepherd prepares a table in front of our enemies. You're not welcome here. He anoints our head with oil, drives away the annoying pests in life, provides healing, and the third thing, fills our cup. You know, the, uh, the Bennett family, the few opportunities, because it can get expensive, that we get to go out to eat. We'll sit down at a nice restaurant and we'll order food. And, and for many years, we've had, we've had kids that have been able to order off the, the kids' menu. The great thing about the kids' menu is it comes with a free soft drink. It does. It, it may not come with as much food, but you're a kid. But man, it comes with that, that free soft drink. But the teenagers across the table... Oh, they want a free soft drink, but they can't get a free soft drink. They don't have a kid's meal. But they've got lots more food, but no soft drink. And so they grumble and they complain because they don't have a soft drink. They're so focused on the soft drink across the table that they miss out on the abundance of food that they have right in front of them. When we sit at the table, the shepherd has prepared for us, we must focus on the cup he has poured for us. It's a cup of blessing. It is. If we constantly look to the other cups on the table, we will soon forget the blessings in our own cup. Nothing will pull you back to the valley of shadows more than jealousy and discontentment. Jealousy and discontentment will pull you back into the valley of shadows. You know, your, your cup may look different than the other person's cup, but your cup is full. Your cup is full if you're sitting at his table. You know, another cup on the table might have a little, might have some more cash in it. Maybe more things in life. Bigger house and nicer cars. But your cup, oh, your cup is full of grace. You see this in 1 Timothy 1.14. It says, this, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. Abundantly. 
The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, sure, someone else may have cash in their cup, but you have grace. Someone else across the table, they may have prestige or they may have the right position, but you, you have hope as we see in Romans 5, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, say overflow, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's hope is overflowing your cup. But that person, look what they can, look what they have. Look what kind of influence they are. Look how popular they are. Look how many more Instagram friends they have. Look at all this stuff. You keep looking at the other cup, you're gonna miss out on your blessing. You're gonna miss out on your cup that is overflowing with grace, with hope, and the things that really matter in this life. Your cup is overflowing. You know, back in David's time, David, <laughs> David did this for, he wrote these words for a reason. You see, when a guest would be invited over to someone's house and they're sitting at the table, the owner of the house and the owner of this feast, obviously he would have servants fill the cup of the guests. But what's interesting is when that, when that, owner of the house is kind of tired of those guests hanging around, he'll, have, he'll order the servants to stop filling up the cup. And obviously it's a cup and they're filling with wine. Very good wine. Uh, let's, not, let's not fill it up. And so if you're sitting at the table and you got just a little bit of wine left, what that means is this, it's time for you to go home. It's time for you to go home. However, if your cup, you know, continues to be refilled, it means, hey, you can stay a little bit longer. You can stay a little longer. It's kind of like when we tell people that it's over our house for a long time. If you're, if you're visiting and all of a sudden you see me in my pajamas, it's time for you to go home. But here's a cool part about this analogy with the overflowing cup. Can I tell you something? This is really, really cool. You need to listen. But towards the latter part of the meal, if the, if the owner of the house really, really likes you and wants you to stay longer, a long time, guess what he's gonna do? He's going to pour the wine, the servant's gonna pour the wine, and it's gonna not just stop at the top, it's going to overflow and spill out and onto the table. And the guest looks at the owner and smiles. The owner smiles back, says, I want you to linger a little while longer. It's true. So that cup is filling out. It's spilling over. It's overflowing onto the table. Can I tell you something? Let me ask you a question. Have you noticed how wet your table is? Have you noticed how wet your table is? Your shepherd, 
Your shepherd is filling your cup, overflowing your cup. Your shepherd really, really likes you. Really likes you. Well, I thought my shepherd loves you. Yeah, loves me. Yeah, yeah. God loves you, but he also likes you. He wants you to hang around. He enjoys your company. You stay, you linger, your cup is overflowing. Stop looking at the other cups. Look at your cup. It is filled and it's overflowing. And God and Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to do a work in your heart. I, uh, I'm reminded in Luke chapter 14 as I wind down this message. In Luke chapter 14, we see Jesus being invited to, to a dinner. And so he's invited to the dinner of a Pharisee. We see this in Luke chapter 14, verse 7 through 11. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he, Jesus, told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And I know I went a little bit further along. The main portion of that that I want to emphasize is this. When you are sitting at the table, I want you, and Jesus wants you to understand, approach it with humility. Approach it with humility. Come before the Father. Don't come with, I deserve this. I deserve this. I've, I've, I've done all this. I've, I treat my wife, my husband with respect. I obey my parents or whatever. I deserve this because we really don't. But Jesus freely gives and we are to sit there humbly and take the lowest place at the table. You may be watching here today online or maybe sitting here and thinking, 
You know, Frank, I, I, don't, I don't really know if I'm sitting at his table. I'm not sitting at his table. You know, all it takes is, it takes humility. It takes humility for you to just come before the Father, come before the separate and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for demanding certain things or expecting certain things. I, I need, I need forgiveness of my sins. I need a shepherd to guide me and I want to sit at your table. I want to sit at that table for you to chase away my enemies, for you to anoint my head with oil to get rid of the annoyances of life, to heal my spirit, to heal my heart of all the disappointments of life, and to overflow my cup, and to say to me, I like you. If that's you, you could do that right here, right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, even you're watching online, I would just encourage you to have a posture just like the sheep would have when the shepherd pours oil on its head. And if you want to sit at that table, if you want to invite Jesus to be your Lord and your shepherd, just repeat after me, say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm sorry for being so arrogant, for being so prideful, for not trusting in you. I give you my heart, it's yours. And I give you my cup. Please fill it up to overflowing. Come be my Lord. Come be my savior, come be my shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time or something similar like that, I'd love to hear about it. You can send an email to me personally at pastor at lakepointonline.com and uh, I'll personally get back in touch with you. But just know this, let's go before the table that's spread for you in God's word through prayer, through communion with, with Jesus and communion with, with the saints, with the body of Christ. I do invite you back next week as we close out this Psalm 23 with verse six. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be an incredible word for all of us. But either you can uh, come back here live at 11 o'clock at Red Top Middle School here in Emerson or watch us online on our website. And I do wanna let you know that next week we're going to be honoring our high school graduating seniors. And so uh, we have a gift from them. We're gonna be praying for them and their families are gonna be coming and joining us. So that's gonna be next week. Uh, we will not have childcare or nursery again uh, next week. We're gonna wait until March 31st. But uh, bring your kids. We'll accept crying babies in here. We're all good. And, um, but we invite you back here next week, either live or online experience. We love you, and we hope to see you next week.